to the unreached villages of the world. And Lord, and it also goes to reach those uh, here in Bonifay. God, I pray that as your word is preached, that we would have ears to hear and hearts to obey. Lord, that uh, you would pierce the hearts of those who have never believed in your name and that they might have a new found love for you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Grace Church. Happy Father's Day. We're glad that you're here, dads. Um, this is a, a special privilege for me to, to be able to step in for Dr. Allen and Miss Heather. Uh, they are uh, coming back from the mission field this week, so they'll be back. Uh, he'll be back in the pulpit next Sunday to, to, to pick up where we have been in the book of Ruth. But uh, uh, Father's Day is just a special day for me. Um, not only my dad, but I'm a daddy's boy. Uh, and so uh, I want to honor him today. I want to honor our our fathers today and and even more so i want to honor our heavenly father today um uh, the the fact is when we come in this place we come from families who um have given us a legacy uh they've given us some uh, a good legacy some have given us a bad legacy um there's a reason why i love gator football and gator basketball is my dad was a big gator fan there's a reason why I, I love to watch Atlanta Braves baseball. It's because when growing up in the 90s, we watched every single Braves game together. There, there's a reason why I started teaching Sunday school. It's because my dad's a Sunday school teacher, and I want to be just like my dad. There are, are reasons that we're, we're watching those who have come before us. And, and some of my, my favorite conversations that I've had with my dad over the years is when we're just sitting in his man cave... And we're not talking about sports. We're talking about what he's teaching in Sunday and what he's been learning in God's Word. And his love for the Bible just comes through. And those are the conversations that I'm going to take with me forever. What about you? How, how has your ancestors impacted you spiritually? Uh, this morning I want to talk to you on the subject of leaving a godly legacy. Leaving a godly legacy behind. Because parents, the, the choices that you are making today, believe it or not, are impacting not only your children, but they're going to impact your children's children. You are an ancestor of someone who is you do not even know yet, if the Lord tarries. And on this Father's Day, I, I thought, let's, you know, why not let's look at the life of Father Abraham and see if we can learn some principles that we can apply to our lives so that we can be influencers of people. Because that's the point. We want to influence others. Y'all remember that song that maybe that was just me when I was little in vacation Bible school and Father Abraham had many sons. I'm gonna, I was going to get Mr. Aubrey to stand up and do the, the dance motions for me. You know, but Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. So are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And you say like right arm. And then you got to have your arm swinging the whole time. But that, the point of that song, it says, Father Abraham... Father Abram had many sons. I am one of them, and so are you. You know, they're, they're, the fact is, I, the reason I am the way I am today isn't just because of my, my godly daddy, but there's other godly men who have been a spiritual father to me. You know, there's men in this room. There's men in this room that have more than one son. And just because you don't have any kids doesn't mean that you can't be a spiritual daddy to someone else. Amen. To shape them. 
because they didn't have a legacy that was passed on to them. Isn't that what you want to do with your life? Make it count? Have an eternal impact for the kingdom of God? So what can we do to leave a God legacy? I'm glad you asked. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to, on this Father's Day, talk about the death of Abraham. I know that's depressing, isn't it? But we're going to see what this man left behind. Genesis chapter 25, and, start, and look with me at verse number 7. God's Word says, These are all the years of Abraham's life that he lived. 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age. An old man and satisfied with life. And he was gathered to his people. And then his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohor, the Hittite, facing Mamre. The field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth, there Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. It came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. And Isaac lived by Beer Leheroi. I think I pronounced every one of those words right. Um, look at verse number 8 with me. It says, Abraham breathed his last and he died at a good old age, an old man, and satisfied with life. I think the first principle we can see from this text is that Dads who leave godly legacies behind, they live a full life. They live a full life. What I mean by that is a satisfied life. It doesn't mean they live necessarily long lives. I can think of a missionary named Jim Elliott who died at age 29. It doesn't mean they live long lives, but it does mean that they live satisfied lives, that they are satisfied by the quality of their life and not so much the quantity of their life. It's not someone who dies with a bunch of regrets. It's someone who experienced the abundant life that Jesus offers. Abraham didn't find contentment in, in a large house. If you remember, this is, a, this is, a, this is someone that lived in a, in a foreign land as an alien in tents. His satisfaction wasn't in material things. The Bible says that he was looking for the city which actually has foundations, whose architect and builder is God, in fact. You see, people, every person on this planet is thirsty. They're thirsty for something. They're hungry. That's why this passage, uh, it says at the end, that Isaac, he, he, he lives next to Beer Leheroi, which is a, a well out in the wilderness. It's the, it's the same well where, where, where God found Hagar and, and, and Ishmael and spared their lives. And it, it, it means the well of him that lives and sees me. And this is where Isaac moves to when, when his daddy dies. The author of the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis, put it this way. He said, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God to make him happy. And everyone on planet Earth, they're thirsty, but the problem is they're drinking salt water if they're not in Christ. Which, which if you've ever been thirsty and you drank salt water, that's just going to make you more thirsty. It's not going to quench your thirst. Uh, I, I'm reminded of, of, of the example of Solomon. King Solomon, you may remember, he was the wealthiest king basically in the Bible. He was the wealthiest person when he lived on the face of the earth. 
You remember how many, how many, how many women he had in his life? I mean, I think it was a, a thousand wives and concubines. Okay, he had palaces, he had gardens, he had everything money can buy, and he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And you shall, y'all should read that this this week, because at the end of his life, as an old man, you know what he says? I had it all, I tried it all, I experienced it all, and it's all vanity. It's all vanity. Because nothing can satisfy you on this earth except for one thing. Jesus taught it this way in the parable of the hidden treasure. And if you're young and you haven't experienced, you're just going to have to, I hope you, you, you trust me, you don't just go try it out for yourself. I had to learn the hard way. But Jesus put it this way. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again. He sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Right? So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. And there's a man that finds the treasure. Okay? He reburies it, hides it, and goes and sells everything he has and enjoy with a big smile on his face, buys the field. Because he knows what's in the field. Grace Church, the hidden treasure is the only thing that will satisfy your soul. It's the only thing that you can, 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 can when you die like Abraham dies, uh, it can be said of you that you had a satisfied life. It's not a six-figure job. It's not a dream house with a white picket fence. Abraham lived in a tent. It's not an Ivy League education. It's not actually living on the streets of gold or a mansion when you die. The, the, the hidden treasure in the field is Jesus Christ himself. There is a God-shaped vacuum inside the human heart that only God himself can fill. And it desperately needs to be filled by the presence of Jesus Christ made real by the Holy Spirit. You ever, you ever gone out to eat? Um, I, I've been to... Um, we went to Captain Anderson's not too long ago and just ate and ate and ate. And by the time you're done, you're, you're, you're full, okay? And the waiter comes, and the waiter wants a bigger tip, so he comes out with this tray, and it's got, like, the, the best-looking desserts possible. But you're not even interested. Like, if you eat any more, you're going to be sick. And that's what it's like when someone finds the treasure. When the world offers you something that looks good, you're not really even interested, and that's what Abraham was like. What a testimony it is to be able to say that knowing Jesus, it gives me more joy, more peace, more contentment than whatever this world has to offer. I'm satisfied. This world has nothing for me, and this world has everything to offer. Is it, is it just me, or uh, when you're trying to buy your dad's presents for Father's Day, and when your dad is a contented man, it's hard to find something to buy for him for Father's Day. Is that right? He doesn't want anything. He wants you just to come love on him. That's all he wants. Because he's got a satisfied life. What a testimony that is. To, that you've tasted and you've seen, dads, that the Lord is good and you're full. 
and you don't want anything else. So first, dads who leave a godly legacy, they live a full life. Number next, dads who leave a godly legacy, they finish well. They finish well. You see, in, in, in verse 9, it says that then his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried Abraham. Now, that's kind of a big deal because you remember Abraham almost tried to mess this whole thing up. And Ishmael and Isaac, for them to be at peace at the death of their father is a testimony to Abraham and how he handled a difficult situation. But not only, not only are they at peace after they die, you know what one of my goals is in life? And if you're an older dad, I think you would agree with me. You just want your grown children to, to, to come see you, want to come see you. Not out of duty, but the desire of their heart because you have their heart. And I think you can see that here with Ishmael and Isaac. Abraham has their heart because, y'all, back then they didn't have a funeral home that you could call. Guess who buries their dad? Guess who handles the body? Guess who puts it in the cave? You know, I, I don't know if you're aware of what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. If you don't, I'm not going to say it. But there's just, it breaks my heart when I see people in ministry and they're 60 years old, 70 years old and getting close to being home with the Lord and they blow their testimony over something very, very stupid. You know, and we're all just, hey, it doesn't matter how godly you think you are, you're one stupid decision away from doing the same thing, okay? But... Here's the thing. I'd rather have my, my wife and my kids look on me with respect when I'm on my deathbed and finish well. That's what it looks like, I think, to finish well. When you're grown kids, they want to come see you and call you and be in your life, even though they could go do their own thing. Yeah, they need to leave and cleave, but, but you have their heart. And that's what finishing well looks like. They know the real Cliff Myers, like he said in Sunday school. They know who he really is behind the scenes, but he's got their heart. I'm learning that that kids, they spell that love word, that four little, they don't spell it L-O-V-E. You know what little kids spell it? They spell it T-I-M-E. Dads. And it's been said that, that I, I've heard it put this way, that you, it, it can take 20 years to build a reputation and minutes to blow it. And everything that you've, you've spent 20 years to build, and you can blow it like that. So finishing well, it it does not mean that you're perfectly sinless. I think we we study the life of Abraham. We we, we realize he blew it several times, right? Are you glad that the Bible does not record John Wilson's life in the pages for everyone, for generations to read about and learn about? Anyone else glad that that's, you know, Blake Green? You know, I I mean, I don't don't want to just throw Abraham under the, the bus, but he was a sinner, okay? What are some things that, uh, that he did? Uh, Genesis chapter 16, you remember Abraham attempted to lend God a hand. 
Now, get, let me give him a break. God came to him and gave him a promise when Abraham was 75 years old, said that he was going to have a promised child. Eleven years go by. He's now 86. Still no child. His wife, Sarah, comes to him with this idea. Maybe, maybe, maybe you know, my body is, you know, kind of old, past that childbearing age. I, I, maybe, here, take Hagar. And, and it's not that so much that they don't believe that God can't do it as much as I think they, we're just going to help God out. He just needs a, you know, needs a hand. And they almost blow the whole thing. It wasn't for 14 more years until Abraham was 100 until he held that promised child. 25 years. Not only did he attempt to lend God a hand, but in Genesis 17, verse 17, when God shows up to him and tells him at age 99, hey, next year you're going to have a baby, he bends over and he laughs in God's face. That's actually what they named Isaac. His name means laughter. Because not only him, but Sarah, they laughed. Uh, what What else does the Bible say? How Abraham blew it. In Genesis chapter 20, this actually happens twice. Ladies, wives, can I tell you, you might be frustrated with your husband today, but at least I don't think your husband has done this to you. Try to pass you off as his sister and give you to another man. And lies that he's even married to you. Aren't you glad you didn't marry Abram? Okay? He does it twice. To the, to the point where God, in a dream, shows up to Kim Abimelech and says, you're a dead man if you touch that woman. Because she's she's God's got a plan for, for Sarah. And so Abraham, my point is, he wasn't perfect. Those are just three examples that you could pull quickly from the text to show you this is just a sinner. But I'm encouraged at the same time. I'm encouraged that even though that Abraham was a sinner, I take comfort that he was still able to be a great influence for the kingdom. However, there are consequences, dads. If you were in Sunday school, you got to hear Mr. Cliff say, they're watching, your kids are watching you, and they're going to do what you do. And you know what happens? Abraham dies in Genesis chapter 25. You know what happens in Genesis chapter 26? Isaac lies about Rebekah being his wife and passes her off as his sister. Now, where do you think he learned that from? I, I bought my, uh, my kids an old Nintendo game. It's like this one little box, and it has all the Nintendo games from when I was growing up in the 1980s. Coolest thing ever. And we're... I'm showing Ann how to, how to play, you know, Mario Brothers and try to, you know, this is how you go to the Warp Worlds and everything. You raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. You can, you can beat that game in about 10 minutes if you, you know all the, the cheats. Yeah. And so I'm on the last level, and I fall into the, the fiery, you know, pit, and, and, I, and I die. And I don't know if you all know this about me, but I have a little bit of a temper. I'm not a perfect, I'm not a perfect person. I'm a sinner. And I died, and over a stupid game, I slammed my hand on the couch, and I said, dang it. 
Didn't think anything of it. The next week, Anne's playing Mario Brothers and dies. And guess what she does? Paint. And I just start, sat there and started crying. Because they will do what you do. They are watching. They hear what you say. They will be passionate about what you are passionate about. And so if you are not passionate about God and his word and his local church, guess what? Don't expect your children to be. They will do what you do. The legacy that you give them, that's what they have. Finishing well does not mean you're perfectly sinless. Finishing well does mean you are victorious over sin's power. It does mean that you are victorious over sin's power. I don't know if you uh, were here on Easter Sunday when Dr. Richie Allen got to preach on Genesis chapter 22. If you weren't, I'd recommend go listen to that sermon because it was incredible. But something that I heard him say that, I, that has stuck with me is after that moment in Genesis chapter 22 where, where Abraham, is, Abraham is told by God to go take Isaac and bind him and, and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. Remember? Okay? From Genesis 22, when God did that and Abraham, his faith was tested and he passed with flying colors, you never see another instance where he is faithless again. The Bible, I'm sure he did, because he lived probably a lot longer. He lived until he was 175. I'm sure he sinned, but the Bible doesn't record another sin in Abraham's life from Genesis 22 until he dies in Genesis 27, or 25, verse 7. How powerful a testimony it will be for your kids to see that you're not perfect, but to see that you are gradually freed from sin's power. That you once had a temper, but how over time the Lord has changed you and freed you. I, I hope it can be said that every single believer in this room that, you know what, you're not what you should be. You're not even what you could be, but praise God, you are not what you used to be. That he has changed you. That there really is power in the gospel to break generational strongholds. That there really is something called freedom in Christ where he doesn't just save you from the penalty of sin, but he actually frees you from the power of sin. And, and what this means is your past does not determine what your future is. Where you have come from doesn't, doesn't mean that you have to stay there. The legacy that was passed on to you doesn't have to be the legacy that you pass on. And I want my daughters to look at my faults and to see that, Daddy, you know what? He wasn't perfect, but God is his big God, and his gospel is powerful to change sinners and to make them who, who he has called them to be. And they do this by demonstrating their faith. Dads do this by demonstrating their faith. Dads who leave a godly legacy, they demonstrate their faith to their family. You remember in Genesis chapter 12, turn back a little bit. I might have it on the screen behind, behind me, too, if you don't have your Bible. Genesis chapter 12, let's read verse 1. It said, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Now, Grace Church, then listen. There's no instance before this where, where Abram knows even who God is. 
we, the Lord just shows up and speaks to him and tells him to go and, and to leave everything that he knows. His family, his, which is back then, that's your security. It's not a safe place to be out in the middle of nowhere. And to leave your country, your relatives, your father's house. And God doesn't even tell him where he's going to take him. That's faith. Abraham demonstrates his faith by leaving his ancestors, his household, his father's house. And to go where he doesn't even know where he's going. They leave when God says to leave. God's call to Abraham basically was this. Close your eyes and take my hand. Do you trust me? That's basically his call. And now, have you done that? What if, what if the Lord calls you to, to go to somewhere where, you, you know, I don't know where he's, he's telling me to go. All I know is he's calling me. And you just you offer your life as a blank check to the Lord, and, and it's just made out to Him, and, and and it says, "Lord, my yes is on the table." You you just you put it on the map. Tell me where you want me to go. Here's the thing. Abraham was once a man named Abram, who lived in a pagan land called Ur. His daddy was a pagan. His mama was a pagan. His, 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 his people were all pagans. And, you know, thank, thank the Lord sometimes a, a, a blessing for Sarai, his wife. You know, she was barren. Couldn't have children. And she was older at this point when, because Abraham was 75 when God calls him to leave. And you ever, you ever think that, praise God, that she was barren? Because you know what the people on earth were doing? They were sacrificing their children on the altar of their false gods to appease them. And God calls Abraham out of that. And praise God, he's able to, to put a stake in the ground and say, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. And he, and he leads his family out of that. There's just something about a man who leads. People follow that. I've heard it said that when a, when a child in the family is the first to accept Christ, that the rest of the family will convert 17% of the time. That when a mother is the first person in the family to follow Christ, that 31% of the family will follow her and accept Christ. But when a daddy is the one that turns his life to Christ first, 93% of the time, his family follows him. There's something about a man who leads. You may not even have children. Abraham, at this point, he didn't even have children. But you know what? He turned around and there's a man named Lot and his family that's following him out of there. Getting out of Dodge. Because you will be an influencer of people, Dad, when you lead your family. The way God says to lead. Not only do they leave when God says to lead, but they believe what God says to believe. There's an amazing verse here in Romans chapter 4, verse 18. And it says, in hope, against hope, Abraham believed. Let me read that again. In hope, against hope, Abraham believed. What that means is he hoped when there was no reason to hope. 
Uh, When hope didn't make any sense, he still hoped. He believed the promise for 25 years that God gave him when he was 75 years old and at age 100 when his body was, the Bible says, as good as dead. God did the impossible. So later when God tested his faith, the next morning it says that without hesitation, you remember this is from Dr. Allen's sermon, that Abraham, he got early, he intentionally planned, he, he made the necessary preparations, he put his feelings to the side, he put his faith in God's previously spoken word, and he considered that God is able to raise even dead people up from the dead. What a witness to his family that Isaac's on the altar and sees God provide. You know that left an impact on Isaac. The worst thing we can do, dads, is profess our faith and say, do what I say, but don't do what I do. That's a dead faith. That's a, that, that, that's, that's a type of faith that your kids will walk away from. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Number next, dads who leave godly legacies are found with their people after their last breath. Dads who leave godly legacies are found with their people after their last breath. Look at verse 8 with me. It says, Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And was gathered to his people. You might want to underline that phrase, gathered to his people. That that phrase is a distinct event from from death. It's a distinct event even from the burial. Notice the sequence. Genesis 25 says that he died, he was gathered to his people, and then his body was buried in the cave. That's the sequence. The Bible actually uses this same phrase when Isaac, when Jacob, when Aaron, when Moses, when Josiah all died. Let me give you an example. Genesis chapter 49, verse 33. When Jacob finished his commanding his sons, which Jacob is Abraham's grandson. Okay? You're leaving a legacy behind when it impacts your grandchildren. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. You see, Abraham was from Ur. Where they are now is very far away from Ur. He's not buried in Ur. He's buried in a cave next to Sarah. John Wesley put it this way. I'm going to throw a bone to the Methodist this morning. John Wesley. Abraham's body was gathered to the congregation of the dead. And his soul was gathered to the congregation of the blessed. Even though the book of Genesis was written 4,000 years ago, what it is teaching is it's teaching that same principle we, we see in the New Testament, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, and who is he gathered to? I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, there's probably more than I don't even know, but I, I kind of looked at the beginning of Genesis, and I, I, I think he's gathered to, I think, Adam, Eve, Seth, Abel, a guy named Enoch, a guy named Noah. Those are just a couple that, I mean, I can just come with, with the top of my head. But guess who else is there? 
To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7 says, The dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. When Abraham died, he didn't cease to be Abraham. Rather, his spirit, his soul was taken to another place. He joined a crowd of individuals that he already knew about or knew. And can I encourage you in the room, if you're missing your dad, but he died in Christ, or you're missing any loved one, they're not lost. It's not goodbye. It's I'll see you later. Notice what God never said in Matthew chapter 11. He never said, I was the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He puts it in the present tense. Have you not heard? Have you not read that I am the God of Abraham? I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob because I'm not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living. They're gathered to their people. What this means is death is not the end. Something after death is, is it happens. And it's as real as the, 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 what's happening right here in this moment when we're just taking breaths and breathing. And you're hearing me talk. It's as real as that. The death is not the end. You are gathered to your people. And maybe you're here today. And you're, you're not here to worship the Lord. You're here to honor your Father, which is commendable. But can I ask you a question? Who are your people? Who are your people? You know, I, I, uh, I don't know what's going on with the economy right now. It's, it's, it, it, uh, you know... I know a lot of doctors' offices are just backed up, but our, I mean, for 15 years, it's never been this busy. For the first time ever, we have had to say we're not taking new patients, okay? Because, because I'm, you know, you can't get an appointment for three, four months, and I'm not going to trade time with my kids to see someone I don't know, okay? So there's that. Uh, and there's a limit what you can do. I don't know what's going on. Never been this busy. I think everyone in the country that lived in a place they didn't want to live is moving to the panhandle is what it feels like. But we, you know what's happening? We are getting call after call after call from family members of people that we do see, people that we do know, people that have done a lot of dental work on. They're calling and trying to get a new patient, a family member of theirs, an appointment. And they're getting upset at our front desk because our front desk is telling them, sorry, we're not taking new patients. Okay? We know you. We don't know them. If it's like that at family dentistry here on earth, what is it going to be like when you stand before the throne of God and you think your people are over there and he gathers you to your people over here? Your people over there aren't going to be able to change God's mind. That's going to be too late. 
and, 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 you, and you find yourself and you're surprised. And Matthew 7 actually talks about this very same thing. Where there's a person who says, Lord, Lord, haven't I done this in your name? And haven't I cast out demons in your name and prophesied in your name? And the Lord's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. Just because daddy has a strong faith doesn't mean you have a strong faith. Just because daddy's sins are forgiven and, and clothed with the righteousness of Christ, his, that righteousness of Christ that has clothed him isn't clothing you. Who do you long to spend most of your time with? The people who you are with now. Those are your people, okay? Those are your people. And so generally speaking, who we spend our time with on this earth, that is who we are going to spend our time and eternity with. Does that make sense? Who are you identified with? Are they Christ followers? You may say, no, John, my, my, my very best friends that I spend all my time with, you know, they, they don't love Jesus. They have no concern about the mission of God. They... They haven't turned away from their sins. But you know what? They're, they're good people. They're good guys. Can I tell you, I'd rather have eight root canals done on me at one time than do a funeral and preach a funeral for another good guy. Because there is no hope that I can give that family to give them comfort. Except lie to them. That's the truth. Who are your people? The best funeral, I, I say the best funeral. One of the happiest funerals I've ever been to is my wife's granddaddy's funeral. Who was a pastor for six decades. An influencer of people. Yeah, people are, you're, you're shedding tears because it's sad. Because it's a long goodbye. Okay? And, and, uh, or it's a, it's a long I'll see you later is what I mean. It's sad. But, I mean, it's like a, a worship service in there. People clapping and singing and praising God because her granddaddy had been gathered to his people. It was a great day when I married Sarah Manning. It was a great day when I, when I brought Ann and Kate and Evelyn home. I brought Ann home on Thanksgiving Day. It was a great day when I, when I turned away from my sin at age 16 and not perfectly, but decided, I, you know what, I just want to follow the Lord. Those were watermark days in my life. But you know what the Bible says? The greatest day of your life may shock you. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1, A good name is better than an ointment. And the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. That verse can only be true if you have lived a satisfied life. That, that verse can only be true if you are taken to the congregation of the blessed. The more I live in this broken world, the more I long to be there. Amen. Right? Amen. Where there's no more death, where there's no more toil, where there's no more heartache. Where there's no more tears and there's no more cancer. Where at the, right, at the Lord's right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. That we will be able to see Jesus' face. 
Is it true what Paul said? To live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, I don't have a wish to go there. I, my, my family needs me. And the Lord has called me to do something. Until I'm, I've done it, let me stay, Lord. But when He's done with me, take me home. God has made every believer in this room a promise like He, like he gave Abraham a promise. Every, every believer in this room, He's given a resurrection promise. That God's plan isn't to keep the, the body and the soul separated from, for eternity, but at the last trumpet, in the blink of an eye, the time it takes for light to hit the back of your retina, the Lord will descend. The, the, the sky will be rolled back like a scroll, and the, the dead will get up. The perishable body will be made imperishable, and we will forever be with the Lord. So do not lose heart, Grace Church. Be firm immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And know that dads who leave a godly legacy, they're found with their people after they breathe their last. And then last, and I'm done. Dads who leave a godly legacy, they father children who are blessed. Verse 11 Said after the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac. Let me read that again. After the death of Abraham, Daddy is in the cave, y'all dead. The Lord God, He blessed Isaac. You ever have that thought, Dad? I'm not here. If I'm not here anymore, what's going to happen to my kids? If I were to make a, a list of the top things, maybe five things in Christian circles that Christians are confused about, I think blessed would be one of them. I know we all want our kids to be happy and successful. They want them, we want them to be safe and healthy. We want them to be outstanding citizens that are givers rather than takers. But can I tell you, that not, doesn't really necessarily they've been blessed by God. If we believe that mankind is born under the curse of sin, there's nothing more important than to be blessed by God. To, be, to bless that word right there, you know what it means? It means to kneel. And it doesn't say Isaac kneeled to God. It says God kneeled to Isaac. It means that God, he swooped down from heaven to, 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 to Isaac. And like in the book of, of Ruth where, where Boaz is this picture of, of God and, and he's the wings of God that she has taken refuge in. That's what he's doing. And Isaac has found refuge in the, in the wings of God and he keeps them and he causes his face to shine upon them. And he's gracious to them. And he gives them peace all the days of their life. To be blessed is to have all the benefits, all the grace, all the blessings, the, all the favor of God that comes with being in covenant relationship with him. It, it means that whether you have a good earthly father or not, you are blessed because you have a heavenly Father who has given you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
It means that you are rich because you are a co-heir with Christ. And Grace Church, there is a reason why the Lord has blessed you. In Genesis chapter 12, you'll turn back there with me. Look what he says to Abram in verse 2, the calling of Abram. He says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And here it is. So you will be a blessing. Are you? So that you will be a blessing. The Lord blesses you so that you will be a blessing. God desires to do such a work in your life, dads, is that he's going to not just pour uh, you know, all his blessings and you're just a reservoir, but he's going to pour his blessings in you and it's going to go right through you to reach other people and bless others through you. So who can you kneel down to next week? Who is it that you can be a blessing to someone? My prayer for my kids is, 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 is not just, I mean, pray, yeah, God, bless them. But God, it's that double blessing. God, bless them and make them a blessing. Make them a blessing to others. Use them for your kingdom. Help them to be an influencer of others. Help them to make an eternal impact for the kingdom of God. Grace Church, if the Lord tarries, I want you to know you're an ancestor to someone who is not here yet. You will leave a legacy. No doubt about it. You're going to leave a legacy. The question is, is it going to be a legacy worth passing on or not? Will you have a full life? Will it be an abundant life, satisfied life? Will it be a life that demonstrated that you have faith in God's promises? Will it be a life that, that uh, shows that there is power in the gospel to change you and transform you and to make you someone new, a new creation? I pray that's your heart's desire. It's not only to be blessed, dads, but to be a blessing. Would you stand with me, please? I want to pray for you. As our worship team comes, I'm going to ask Mr. Jerry and Mr. Cliff, two of our dads, to come up here. And you know, if you if you want someone to pray with you, to counsel with you, uh, that's what they're here for. Uh, it can be it can be right now during this response time. It can be after the service. But let's let's bow our heads and let's pray. And let's pray. I want to pray for you and your families and for your kids. The legacy that's been passed on to you doesn't have to be the legacy that you pass on. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we come to you knowing that you are good. And your goodness has been coming, running after us all the days of our lives. And Lord, I thank you for your blessing. God, I I, I thank you that you didn't stay on your throne, but you came, you came down and kneeled to sinful man to bless them, God, to put your right hand on them, to make them your own child. And God, we, we praise you for that. And God, I lift up 
our families to you, Lord. Your word says that because of Abraham, you're going to bless all the families of the earth. And that includes the families right here in this room, God. And we trust you that you keep your promises. And so I pray for your, your favor on our families, God. God, I pray that you would strengthen the dad's faith that are here in the room. God, if they're entangled with sin, God, I pray that you would free them. God, if they're not leading their family well, God, I pray pray that you would help them and grow them. God, I pray for their spouses and their children. God, that you would save them, that you would use them mightily for your kingdom and show that you are the God who saves, you are the God who blesses. So we bless your name, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our dads. Build them up, strengthen them, and keep them. Guard them from the enemy, God. We praise you for them. We love you. We ask that your whole name we pray. Amen.